folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Master of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, your ambassador of nonsense. Welcome, everyone. And I don't know why I say this when it happens, but we did miss a week. We were gonna, we were gonna record last week and then we didn't record and it was like just busy schedules and... Yeah, but you know what? There's a payoff because we brought a treat for you this time. Yeah. Yeah. Other than our talk. Anyway, we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. So, but today we're, we talked last week we said we were going to talk about St. Michael. The Archangel. And yep. maybe a little bit about angels in general. So. That's right. That's what and, we're going to talk uh, about. That's what we're going to talk about. Um, so I'm, I'm going to just go through some things about St. Michael, um, that I've been able to, to find. And, um, then we will get into angels in general and the, um, the different choir. They, they, they call them the celestial choirs. There's, there's, traditionally nine choirs of angels right um and kind of how they relate to each other and how they relate to god and how they relate to us um these are things that are that the information for them is um i think some of the references are are uh kind of obscure in scripture that the various catholic um theologians and scripture scholars have have really had to tease some of these out but it has yeah. has grown into a, a fairly solid tradition of catholic belief um none of this is of course um dogmatic and and i don't think there's much of it that's even defined teaching uh, but it's considered fairly sound right uh as far as catholic belief goes yeah okay so first first saint michael um we know about St. Michael, we know about a few of the archangels, but uh, St. Michael figures uh, in the Bible specifically by name four different times. Um, one of them is, uh, well, two of them are in the book of Daniel. One is in Daniel 10, uh, verse 13. Um, it's basically Daniel is, um, you know, he's kind of a, a, a prophet. You, you see stories about Daniel uh, during the Babylonian um, captivity. And so he's a prophet, and so there's a prophetic book. And in part of uh, chapter 10, it says, uh, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, give heed to the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your mind to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So I left him there with the prince of the kingdom of Persia and came to make you understand what is to befall your people in the latter days. For the vision is not for days, for the vision is for days yet to come. So an angel is showing up to Daniel saying, I'm going to give you a vision of days to come. And this angel says, I almost couldn't come here because I was contending with the prince of Persia, but Michael came and took over for me. And he's 
I guess, more capable. So yeah, <laughs> so that freed me I, to come Michael talk to comes you. And saves it's kind of funny how it's these... like, but mm-hmm. any angel of God, how did? I guess the. I think we're supposed to take the Prince of Persia not as a person, but as like a demon. Maybe a demon. Maybe contending with the the Prince of the Kingdom of Persia. It said he withstood me twenty one days. But Michael came to help me. So what does that really mean? Does that mean that he was contending with a demon? Perhaps that God let some kind of battle of wills between this angel and a demon that was um, either um, sort of influencing the the prince of Persia. We Uh, perhaps even uh, possessing him. Who knows? Um, but when you see these things, you, 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 you have to take, you have to take the words of the angels at face value from their point of view. They're kind of just telling you, um, obviously there are things that they, it would like, they could tell you maybe what, you know, kind of the deep reality, but we, we probably wouldn't understand it if they tried. So, you know, they, it leaves it to a little bit of speculation on some of that. Yeah. Um, it's just. It, it's odd how um, even the angels just, I mean, at this introduction of Michael, um, we've got angels doing fighting, but we consider them kind of these heavenly creatures who have unlimited power. Now, if they're fighting a demon who has the same kind of power, but you would right. think them being good angels, there there would be an easy win. Because it's not think... like one angel could kill another angel. Right, right. No. But, you know, part of this fighting, part of this contention may often be over the wills of men. Um, it may be that God wants angels to contend over our wills and that our wills are a significant part of what uh, sort of weighs in in the battle. Yeah. When we read things like this. Yeah, it's odd. Because God, even, even, even given the nature of angels to, you know, have, like you said, I mean, they, they have almost unlimited power if they want it over the, um, earthly realm. Um, and yet God desires our nature as free willed creatures to, uh, also apply. And so, you know, we have free will. We can make decisions. Uh, and ultimately, the decisions are ours. Yeah. Uh, all right. In the same book, uh, right at the beginning of chapter 12, it's talking about the resurrection of the dead. The, you know, the coming resurrection of the dead in, in the eschaton. It's, and and it, I'm just going to read the first part that mentions Michael. It says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. Um, and this is interesting. So... Michael is here being identified specifically as a protector of uh, the people of Israel, the Jews. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've always kind of, or St. Michael's been considered like the guardian of the Jewish people at various times. Right. Um, And now of the church. That's why we we have the, that's why the Pope, you know, composed the prayer to St. Michael the archangel when when he saw the demons um or around the the city of rome 
Yeah, and uh, added St. Michael to several uh, times in the Mass. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to think. It's been a while since I've been to the Novus Ordo. Is St. Michael even mentioned in the Novus Ordo? No, no. I think So he used to be mentioned, um, first of all, he was mentioned in the uh, Confidior, right? Twice, actually. Um, And then wasn't he also mentioned... I don't think he was mentioned in the canon. Maybe not. But but he was mentioned in the Confidior twice and then the Prayer to St. Michael after Mass. He might have been mentioned somewhere in the canon. Yeah, I don't... I'll, I'll have to... I don't... But I don't... I can't think of him being mentioned at all in the in the new Mass. It, it's... I don't think he is. I don't think anywhere. It's like we, we've... We've cast off our protection. <laughs> and and the, the Confidiors said uh, two, th- three... Three times throughout the Mass, and each mm-hmm. time St. Michael is invoked. And then, like you said, at the, uh, there, there's another part that he's mentioned too, and I can't remember what it is. But, uh. You'll think of it next time you're at Mass. Yeah. <laughs> you have your uh, book. <laughs> but he is considered, after, after being the protector of the Jewish people, he's now the protector of the Catholic Church, because, you know, we, after the the covenant was fulfilled, but I wonder right. if his place Jerusalem. is still if if he's still recognized as um, the protector of Jewish people, kind of keeping them from being completely destroyed during the diaspora until they come. Because it seems like church. something is because several it times does, doesn't it people have tried to wipe them out. Yeah. I mean, it's been 2,000 years. We know the Holy Spirit protects the church, but but who's protecting the Jews? They're still around. Yeah. Okay. The third uh, place that St. Michael is mentioned by name um, is... Okay. uh, So Jude is writing... um, It's addressed to those who are called beloved in God, the Father... And kept for Jesus Christ. So I don't know exactly who he's writing to in these, um, in his book, but he's talking about judgment on the ungodly. He says, Yet in mm-hmm. like manner, these men in their dreamings defile the flesh, reject authority, revile the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, disputed about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a reviling judgment upon him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Buke you. Um, Contending over the body of Moses. Right. And I I think this is a reference perhaps to, there's there's a kind of, um, you know how like Elijah was taken up in the fiery chariot. Um, yeah. And then in the New Testament, we we have the assumption of Our Lady. She wasn't taken up in a chariot. We, you know, we, we have the tradition of the Dormition of Mary. But then she was assumed bodily into heaven. Well, there's there's some tradition, um, not specifically referenced in the Bible, that Moses perhaps was assumed into heaven as well. Mm-hmm. And so this may be a reference to that. Yeah, because, uh, you know, Moses is one of the people who uh, appear with Jesus to talk at the transfiguration. That's right. Right? That's right. It's Moses so, and Elijah. Yeah, and, and Elijah, we know, was, or so, according to tradition, was taken up 
into heaven. Um, and, but not, I don't think the same way that the Virgin Mary was. No. I mean, like, Elijah he didn't was, die, was, right? It's like he stepped into a fiery chariot and was taken up. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, so Michael, you know, is seen here as, uh, sort of a courier of the just dead into heaven, I suppose, is, is perhaps, you know, what, what might be taken from that. And yeah. then in the book of Revelation specifically, we have, uh, the, um, part where Michael defeats the dragon. The war rose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they were defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Uh, and that's where we get the tradition of Michael, you know, the, the common visual of Michael, um, defeating Satan, um, Often he's got his 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 head or neck underfoot, and he might be holding a spear yeah. or a sword or something like that. Kind of Michael as as the warrior. So yeah. that's where we get that. Now these are four specific times that Michael's mentioned by name. The church fathers also attribute uh, four additional angelic uh, references in scripture to Saint Michael. Uh, one is the angel guarding paradise and the tree of life in Genesis. Uh, okay. I never thought, I never even realized that. I never thought of that as Michael. Um, one, uh, this, the church fathers believed that Michael may have been the angel who, um, who forged the 10 commandments into the stone tablets. Okay. Does it say that a, that a, that a angel did that or... I don't, I, I wasn't even aware that an angel did that, but yeah, you know, may, you know hand of God perhaps. Yeah. Cause that's, know. Uh, all, you know, I can't even think of any Bible verses concerning that. I can only think of Charlton Heston saying written <laughs> yeah. by the finger of God. <laughs> that's and the great big fiery, uh, yeah, that uh, giant thing coming through and burning the the letters into the tablets. <laughs> yeah, that whole movie was epic. Oh, uh, yeah, it was. But you know, the thing, the truth is that a lot of the stuff that that God does, He seems to do through angels. He likes to work through angels to do things. I don't think that's very surprising, considering that no, when he works either. here on <clears throat> Earth, he wants to work through people, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, oftentimes just through nature. Yeah, that's true. That's why but, the concept you know, of providence plays such a large role in um, our understanding of our, you know, relationship with God and of God's interaction with history and so forth. Yeah, it was like. It was kind of like at the fall or before the fall, God was almost in constant communication with man. And at the fall, it was like you, you just, you lost access to this for now. Mm -hmm. Uh, not to say that he doesn't grant it from time to time, but he's not there the way he used to be. And, and now we're going more and more through either people or angels or just his natural works. Um, okay. The third one is, um, and I have to admit that 
I remember reading this and it was a weird story. Um, but, um, so there's, there's this, uh, fellow in the Old Testament. Um, I don't know exactly how you say his name. Balaam, perhaps B-A-L-A-A-M. And, um, the, I, I forget whether he's like a, a, um, like a prophet or what. And maybe they, they, the, um, the Moabites, uh, enemies of, of the Israelites want to perhaps consult with him or something like that. But anyway, he's going out to meet them and Michael, the archangel keeps standing in the way of his donkey and the donkey sees the archangel. And so he turns aside and goes into a field. Um, and eventually Balaam in, ends up having this conversation with his donkey. <laughs> I don't know whether the Michael was speaking through the donkey or what at that time, but anyway, the, uh, church fathers, um, seem to think that that also was Michael. Okay, possibly. I mean, is it is it his donkey, or is it like maybe Michael appearing as a donkey? Or well, it's the man's donkey, and the donkey okay. sees Michael, an angel with a fiery sword, and the donkey turns aside, and the man can't get the donkey to go on the road that he's trying to get. Oh, to go okay. On. okay. But eventually, he ends up having a conversation with his donkey. Well, I can see that. Because I've talked to animals and start yelling at them, get your... Blah, 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 blah. I yell at the dog. <laughs> yeah. Especially when they won't do what you want them to do. And donkeys are famous for this. He must have thought it was just being stubborn. Um, okay, so then um, there's... Um, in Kings, the um, the king of Assyria comes against the Jews and he's his army is repelled and by an angel of God and so they think that may have been Michael as well. So we've got okay. four references by name and four references in scriptures that are um believed to be Michael. And so based on those the church has come up with four things that Michael is generally credited with with doing or being responsible for one is fighting against Satan. That's obvious from revelation. Yeah. One is rescuing souls from the power of the enemy, especially at the hour of death. This has to do with, for example, his fighting for the, you know, the body of Moses, uh, in Jude. Yeah. Um, one is championing God's people, the Jews in the old Testament and the Christians in the new Testament. That's why he's the patron of the church. Okay. And then the other one is similar to the second one, but perhaps a little bit different. Um, he's credited with calling men's souls away from earth to bring them to judgment. So whether the judgment's going to turn out good for them or not, uh, Michael seems to be involved with that, according to uh, the church. Okay. The uh, Now, the thing is, one of the interesting things, and now we're going to start getting in a little bit into, um, uh, and by the way, I'll, I'll say this, that I tried to look for, um, like references to, you know, cause, cause we've talked about saints and, uh, you know, we have a saint each week, um, and we might bring up certain miracles that occur after their death. And so on and so forth. Yeah. So I thought, well, are there any like physical miracles that are attributed to St. Michael? Like somebody prayed to St. Michael for a certain kind of, I don't know, healing or something like that. Um, 
There are a few people that attribute seemingly miraculous events to his intercession, but not any specific miracles um, of the kind that the church would consider if they were, for example, investigating the cause of a saint uh, or something yeah. like that. that it, none that, that reached that level. But there have also been some appearances of St. Michael the Archangel. Yeah, we, in, you know, we've talked about in, a few of them. Yeah. In, in the, the saints uh, we you know, talked about. In the age of the church, right, right. He, he appears to saints. Um, he even appeared I in tried to find Fatima. Out, yeah. I tried to find out when he first started showing up in Catholic art. Uh, according to the New Advent Catholic Encyclopedia, the, the sort of winged angels um, concept didn't really start showing up in art until around the time of Constantine. So we're talking 4th century. Um, the okay. oldest existing examples of winged angels are seen in some of the base reliefs of Carthage. Represent, and there's a uh, representation on ivory of St. Michael. Those are attributed to the 4th century as well. So, okay. you know, three to 400 years um, into the church, we start seeing art depicting St. Michael. I cannot find a... Um, Anything that explains explicitly when St. Michael first started being mentioned in the Mass historically. Oh, okay. So, I, I just don't know. Uh, well, his name is Hebrew for who is like God. Uh, a lot of times I see it with a question mark afterwards. I, I don't think that is really what's intended. I think it's more like one who is like God because he appears yeah. that way, you know. When, when he ha reveals himself in some kind of visual manner to someone. Yeah. Um, you know, Jimmy Akins did a okay. podcast on angels and kind of went into the language of that um, about St. Michael specifically. Oh, okay. Um, but I can't, for the world, I mean, remember exactly what he said. <laughs> but it, because it, it was kind of uh, like it, it, it had something to do with w when they would talk about the sons of God as opposed to the daughters oh. of men, perhaps mm -hmm. in some time, in some the, cases in the Old Testament. Yeah, there was a, a special area where they were talking about that. So, so did, now, did Jimmy Aiken say that those referred to angels? Uh, it's possible, mm -hmm. but there's it's possible not yeah it, it in would be some weird. cases I mean, somehow they it have to, obviously does uh, but in other cases it might not yeah mm -hmm. it's odd because saint michael is recognized by a lot of other religions oh, not okay. just by christians and jews he's obviously uh recognized by um muslims but also right. like weird religions like hindus no kidding and yeah, there are other religions recognize St. Michael, the Archangel, for some reason. That makes you, I mean, for that to be the case, that almost suggests a um, a common historical link. Yeah. Like, like, for example, there's a lot of cultures that have um, kind of like a, a ancient flood story within their cultural heritage. Well, you, you know... 
when you look at that, you think, oh, okay, well, that's kind of evidence that that's supporting evidence for the flood depicted in the Bible to have perhaps been a real thing, which, of course, we believe it was a real thing. But it's good reason for non-Christians and non-Jews to believe that it was a real thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, One thing, one other thing that's really curious um, is that the church fathers are in and, and church theologians are in some disagreement about, first of all, where to place Michael specifically and where to place archangels more generally, uh, of which we know, I think there are seven. Uh, I th- at one point, um, one of the archangels is, is speaking to someone and he gives a number that causes us to believe that there are seven in all. Um and three of them we know are Gabriel, who announced the word to Mary, Michael, and then uh, Raphael, who, um, oh, I can't think of that, accompanied the guy on his, in, in the book of Ruth to find a wife. Um, yeah. And, but some of the church doctors think that Michael, being the prince of angels, was the true prince of all the celestial beings, um, the other than God, of course. Um, even so, so they place him as like the prince of the seraphs, the seraphim, uh, right. the seraphs are the, the top kind of, of the order of angels within the, the celestial sphere. Uh, Thomas Aquinas and others take kind of a, a more strict meaning of the term angel and claim that the archangels are the highest among the lowest of the, um, celestial Choirs. So the angels themselves, which are really kind of like our guardian angels, they're the lowest rung of the celestial choirs. And he says that Michael, the archangel, that the archangels themselves are simply sort of the top seven of those, um, whether designated to rule over the, the angels or what, uh, I don't know. Uh, so some disagreement on that and, and how to interpret the, the term archangel. So, for example, okay. on the one hand, we could say, oh, let's talk about all the different angels. We'll start with, you know, seraphim and cherubim and thrones and dominions and stuff. Okay, we're calling all of those angels, but then we get down to the bottom one and we say, and finally we have the angels. <laughs> so, Yeah, but are we... Where is he defined as an archangel? Is that in, as opposed to some other angel? Or is it, you know what I mean? Why, why do we call him an archangel as opposed to other angels, like the angel of death? So, okay, so for example, in Daniel 10, it refers to him as one of the chief princes. Okay. Uh, and then in Daniel 12... The great prince who has charge over your people. Yeah, Michael, okay. the great prince. Uh, Jude... Let's see. Refers to him as uh, the fact that he's contending with the devil himself. He refers to him as the archangel. At least my oh, okay, yeah. uh, The the translation does. So there was there was revised standard version Catholic an understanding of the archangels being different when the Bible or when these letters were written. Yeah, what what Um, was actually you know in the Hebrew? I don't know. Or Greek or whatever it is he wrote. Jude probably wrote Greek or something. Um, you know, it's it's 
odd that even um, Jude's point there that um, the archangel who's who we see as there to fight Satan um, didn't didn't pronounce judgment, but said yeah, the Lord rebuked judgment you. for God. So uh, you know, even even the highest of beings of creatures that God created still don't judge people, but simply says God rebuke you. God, yeah, God judges you. Um, now it's kind of interesting. I may be reading too much into and what may be an imperfect English translation. I don't know. But in Revelation, it says, War rose in heaven, Michael and his angels. Yeah. Fighting against the dragon. So it implies that Michael has charge over other angels. Right. So that's from the four specific verses. That's that's what we get. There's one place where... For whatever reason, the the translators decided to go with the term archangel. Yeah. Okay. Now, whether they use that same term in relation to like Gabriel and Raphael, I don't know. We'd, we'd have to go find that out. Okay. Uh, let's talk about angels generally. So th- the church recognizes nine. Uh, what what commonly we might refer to them as celestial choirs. Uh, in traditional Catholic theology or angelology, you know, whatever you, you want to call it. Uh, these are based on scripture. And uh, I haven't gone and looked up the actual specific scriptural references and the reasons why they're placed in this order. But here, here they are. So first, the highest among them are the seraphim. Uh, they attend to God on his throne and when they're seen by people that, you know, are chosen to, to reveal things to, uh, they have six wings, two to cover their faces, two to cover their feet and two for flying. Uh, maybe they have to cover their faces and their feet because of being so close to the throne of God. I don't know, but, uh, that's how they're depicted. And, and what do they do? They just, it just says they attend to God on his throne. I think that, so that kind I, of. I, I wonder if they're like messengers they to the other angels or what. Enjoy God or. Not quite enjoy because that's what you see with the cherubim. Okay. So the cherubim are closely linked to God's glory. They symbolize God's power and, and they're alluded to in Revelation. Uh, they have intimate knowledge of God and continually praise him. The cherubim seem to be there. For the purpose of knowing, praising, and enjoying God. Okay. But not necessarily doing anything that, you know, that God wants them to just behold him. I tried reading um, a lot of what St. Thomas wrote about the angels. And um, I guess if I had a whole lot of time, I might have been able to make better sense of it. But I kind of got lost. But the... The idea I got was that the angels kind of have a shared knowledge, whereas one might learn something and other angels would learn it through that one, but not learning for real because angels don't learn. Oh, was right. it, is it a possible that, that these angels kind of channel the glory of all the other angels or, or give the other angels 
the beatific vision, something of that nature? That could Did be. You... I, that's one of the things that I, uh, I actually forgot to look up whether there's an opinion on that. Do the angels share or will the angels share in the beatific vision in the way that we will, being grafted into Christ himself? And, yeah. and being his body and united with him, the the actual son of God. I don't know that the angels will ever enjoy that the way we will. Probably not, considering they don't have bodies. So we're going to we're going to be able to enjoy it physically, aside from spiritually. Right, and but I, the beatific the, vision is not a physical thing. Yeah, I know. Because it but, existed prior to Christ becoming man. Yeah, but it was only but, by Christ becoming mm-hmm. man that we were able to that become... We yeah. That we become Christ. Yeah, exactly. So I, so I guess it's I, just I don't know one of those mystery things work. that uh, we're going to have to wait till we get there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, you know, your, your thought about angels um, channeling God's glory, but also perhaps in some sense channeling God's knowledge um, right that, that'll uh, that'll come up a little bit later um, not not specifically the way you said it but but something that's coming up makes me think of that so keep keep that in mind okay um, okay so then after the seraphs the seraphim and the cherubim we have the thrones these are angels of pure humility peace and submission so these are completely submissive to god uh they're considered to be now this is interesting um the, so what i read was they're uh considered to be to occupy the part of the cosmos where material where where the material world is just taking form but that's not really like a space of the cosmos that's more like a uh, a conceptual aspect of the entire cosmos. So it's like they're on the edge of the of material formation in the cosmos. Um, it's said that the lower angelic choirs are considered to need the thrones in order to approach God. So in order to approach God, they, they have to go through these angels of humility, peace, and submission. Because nothing that that okay. can be in God's presence can have uh, you know disturbance um, or lack of humility or submission or or anything like that. Right. Um, huh. That's a hard one next, to understand. Yeah, yeah. That it's it's. I mean, th- these are. It's like wow. You could like think about these and and really delve and dig and <laughs> go read St. Thomas and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and would take a long time. Uh, so next we've got the seraphim, cherubim, thrones, and now the dominions. They are angels of leadership. It says they regulate the duties of angels, making known God's commands for them. So I guess the duties of, of when it says duties of angels, maybe they mean of all the lower, the angels lower than them, or perhaps they mean, specifically the the like guardian angels and stuff archangels and guardian yeah. angels i don't know but it says they regulate the duties of angels um under the dominions are the virtues uh these are spirits of motion they control the elements they're sometimes called the shining ones 
And these angels have full control over the physical universe. It's of their nature to be able to completely manipulate the material world. Uh, they're in charge of miracles. They prefer, provide courage, grace, and valor. Um, and I guess, you know, some of the demons must also be virtue, fallen virtues because yeah, I was how they, when they possess someone, about they're able to, to manipulate the material world in and around them. I, yeah, I, cause we've talked about it sometime at a couple different points that the angels, that demons are able to manipulate the physical world. I wonder, I guess maybe only some of them can. And that's why at, like, say, when someone's being possessed, there are several, there are always several different demons and several different, um, levels of demons. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Probably very similar hierarchy in hell as to what we have among these angels in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, so, all right. Under the virtues, we have the powers, also known as potentates. That always brings that Ray Stevens song to my mind. Also um, known as what? Potentates. I, I don't know that word. Oh, okay. Um, I'll tell you about it. But P-O-T-E-N-T-A-T-E. It really just means power holder. <laughs> okay, that sounds um, to me like potentine. Ask oh, me potentine, again, I'll tell yeah, you the like same. Potentates. Um, okay. It, it, a power holder or power wielder. Um, these are warriors. They defend the cosmos and the human race against evil. They fight evil spirits who attempt oh. to wreak chaos, uh, especially those who wreak chaos through the work of men. So the virtues would... are in control of the physical universe. The powers... Um, are defending the order of the physical universe against evil spirits and the order of human history against evil spirits. You would think we would have more prayers to them. We would have more what? Prayers to them. Yes, you would think. You'd think they'd yeah, be talked that's about more when that's in, true. In, in prayer. Because mm -hmm. it would it seem we like you'd need their help. On them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, after the powers are the principalities. They care for earthly principalities such as cities and nations. So if the powers uh, try to protect the overall arc of history, the principalities seem to associate themselves for particular um, human uh, polities and organizations within history. Uh, now, this is interesting, and I haven't gone and looked up the scripture for this, but what I read is that scripturally, they are depicted as being hostile to humans uh, because of sin, and even hostile to God wanting to provide welfare for men because of sin. It's not like they're hostile mm -hmm. to God the way demons are. Demons, demons hate humans because God loves humans, and they hate God, and they want to hate everything God loves. These, these principalities, um, see the sinfulness of man and they seem to have a, um, a sort of sense of justice that God shouldn't be trying to save men. Kind of uh, like, so there's uh, a certain hostility there. But uh, they were created for Christ and he rules over them as part of his completeness of salvation. Kind of like the, uh, 
prodigal son's brother. Uh, yeah, kind of like that. I think that that, that could bit. be perhaps um, a a good example. You know, <laughs> it's kind of funny when Jesus was telling that parable. Maybe he had a few of them in mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. I think all angels are hostile to. To men, I, you don't <laughs> really see angels right. ever I mean, look, being look. nice to man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That I don't think even... you can. There's only one instance in the entire Bible where an angel is uh, even respectful to and that's men. Gabriel, right? Because yeah, uh, we'll have more to say about that later too. Okay. Okay. Um, go ahead. Okay, so the next are the archangels. Um, what I could find out is that archangels are especially commissioned by God to convey messages and to aid specific humans in particular circumstances. So, for example, unlike, say, guardian angels, that a particular angel is assigned to a particular person, mm-hmm. um, and they don't generally go and interact, you know, guardian angels don't generally interact with people in some manifested way. Um, they're not associated with delivering a message of God or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. They're just there for the care of that person. But archangels, these are messengers that go interact with people. Uh, we know from scripture that there are seven, but we only don't know the names of three. And what... Here's what's interesting. Archangels, there's disagreement about whether they're confined to this lower sphere. Uh, Like I Mm -hmm. said, a lot of the church fathers place Michael um, among the seraphim. So this makes me wonder if maybe the archangels are all angels of the higher spheres that are like maybe God picked seven specific angels from the higher spheres for certain purposes directly related to human history and as overseeing and aiding the um, guardian angels and stuff like that. That's kind of, that's how I thought of it. I thought archangels were at the top. Uh, Well, what would be interesting is maybe these archangels, if there are seven of them, Maybe there's one from each of the higher uh, choirs, because there are seven choirs above the archangels. Yeah. So, I don't know, just a little speculation there. Okay. Um, And then under the archangels, we've got finally the uh, angels. These are the lowest order. Uh, They include our guardian angels. Um, they interact with humans on an individual basis. Um, not as, you know, not like archangels will go to different humans according to God's needs. I think the angels, like an angel will interact with an individual human, um, just for his needs. Right. Uh, they are solicitous of our need for help. They want to help us. God built into them the desire to help us and the desire to see us succeed in fulfilling the will of God. They carry our prayers to heaven, and it's said that they have, and this is the thing that 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 kind of triggered in my mind when you said about how angels, how do they maybe share knowledge? Are they, do the angels, maybe the higher angels convey, or uh, are, are they like uh, instruments of, of God's glory to each other, conduits, say? Uh, the angels are said to have immediate access 
to all the other angels and all the other choirs. So, for example, if an arch or if a guardian angel may need, uh, you know, they may see something going on and say, okay, it's not going to be a big miracle in the sense that, that you can see something violated the laws of physics, but I really need this car to go a certain way, uh, or I need this tree to fall a certain way or something like that. And, you know, he, he could then say, uh, call on the virtues or something to help. I, I can't remember what it's called, but it, he described it as the dawn of something or a window of something in angels in describing how they learn or how they are oh, presented with you're knowledge. talking about morning knowledge and evening knowledge, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking we about. We talked about that, and we really had that wrong. There was a podcast I listened to. Uh, I'll have to go and find that. It was a podcast yeah. by the Thomistic Institute. Um, okay. By uh, it was not a podcast. It was podcasted. It was just a speech. Uh, the Thomistic okay. Institute has these um, presentations at various college campuses and stuff. And this woman was talking about morning knowledge and evening knowledge, and um, she gave a really good explanation, which I can't off the top of my head remember. Okay. I'll have to go back and find that, and and, and when I do, okay. we'll bring it back up and talk about it. Uh, but we were completely wrong about what that meant. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, but then we I won't bring we're it wrong. up now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, the guardian angels. are The guardian angels, I mean, obviously, for anything to happen, God has to have his uh god has to grant permission but right. whereas everything an archangel would do would be commanded by god like help him do this deliver this message would a guardian mm-hmm. angel be able to make more decisions on his own or is it simply carrying out god's will for that person you know that's if, a good question somebody I mean, needs to save me from this car accident who decided to do that? Well, yeah, that's, you know, and, and is it your, is, you know, is your guardian angel, does your guardian angel communicate with other guardian angels too? It's like, well, okay. Yeah. If he dies in this car accident, because, you know, the, I don't think the angels can tell the future. The angels can. Right. Um, they can know the, the results, I think, to an infinite degree of any deterministic process. Um, you know, right. like, like when when you go and break a set of billiard balls, as soon as the cue hits the, as soon as the stick hits the the, uh, the cue ball, ball. I, I think any angel probably knows exactly where every ball is going to end up. For example, okay, right. But um, but as far as like decision making, like they don't know the, they don't see all of history laid out before them the way God does. Right. Um, Except to the extent that God might reveal them, reveal that to them. So you might be in a car crash and, and your angels, hey, you know, he is in a state of higher grace now than he's ever been. If I let this car crash happen and, and he dies as that surely will cause, he's going to go to heaven. But then you've got the maybe guardian angels of your children communicating with him saying, no, don't let him die yet because his kids still need them. There's a good chance that they'll fail if he's not around to help, you know, bring them 
on the uh, the journey and so forth. So that, that who knows what kind of interactions okay. go on, and of course it's instantaneous all the time, and uh, we don't at a know level we really couldn't even comprehend if there's an actual decision made by angels. Right, right. I mean, that, it, that we don't know that yet, right? We know that it's not. It's not a deliberation in the sense that we think of it, because deliberation like a is judgment. a physical process of our brains. Okay. And we know that doesn't quite happen the way in angels, the way it does in us. But okay. there is a principle of will in the angels. They they will to act in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. All right. That's all I have on angels. Okay. But. That's, that's uh, interesting. It they, is interesting. Uh, and you, you mentioned Gabriel as the one example throughout the entirety of Scripture that an angel uh, was even kind, you know, genuinely respectful uh, of a human being, and and um, that kind of brings me to something. I I want to bring this up. I th- this is an insight that I've had, and uh, I'm going to start talking about it, but I'm not going to give. You know, I'm not going to explain it completely. I'm not going to put the the whole concept in words yet. And I'm going to talk. I'm going to bring us to the point and then say, this is what I think. Okay. Um, so I was listening to a podcast the other day and the guy made mention of the distinction when somebody's talking between the word and the voice. Say and that, that got me. When someone that? what? Say made a distinction. Last- he, he he mentioned the distinction between the word and the voice when someone's talking. Okay. You know, when you're talking, you, you're using your voice, but you're saying words. Okay, but there's I a see. difference between the word and your voice, but the the spoken word doesn't exist without the voice. And so if you think of the what is the difference and how do they relate to each other, a, a word is... The word is the thing that matters. The word is the meaning. It's the the concept, the the um, the point, okay. the the reason for it all. And the voice is just a physical, uh, a, a material, you could say, expression of the word. The voice is what takes the word, the meaning, and encodes it into a series of. Um, vibrations of, of air or whatever other medium and gives it a physical uh, existence so that it can be received by another. So you talk, okay. your voice takes the words in your head, which are the meanings you're trying to convey, gives them physical existence outside of you that the air then carries to other people so they can hear them and interpret the voice and re- and by comprehending the voice, they receive the word okay. that you spoke. Okay, so take that thought for a minute, set it aside, and now think about what is it that allows your voice to speak words? What puts the power of making words or of, of representing words, of presenting words in a, in a material way to your voice? It's your breath. You have to breathe in order to speak. Your breath... Yeah takes is is what powers the voice in to to put the word into a physical reality a, a physical uh, existence manifestation whatever you want to call it 
Yeah. Okay. Now, take all that together and think of Christ as the Word of God. Do you see where I'm going with this yet? Yeah. Where did Christ, the Word, get his physical existence, his physical reality, presentation, manifestation from Mary? And how was that accomplished by the Holy Spirit, which from the earliest times of Christianity, the Holy Spirit was associated with the breath of God? Even in the in the yeah. uh, gospel, it says Jesus breathed on the apostles and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay. I think, and I've just I've I've just scratched the surface and presented a metaphorical uh, sort of foundation, but I think that there's a reality here to to that that can be understood deeply analogically uh, that can form the basis for a very solid Catholic understanding of Mary as the voice of God, the Vox Dei. Okay. Now, yeah, I, can see I could that, not but... find anything anywhere on Google that anybody had ever said this before. So a hundred years from now, when some pope, a pope better than Francis, grants Mary the title, voice of God. The voice of God. Just remember, folks, you heard it here first. She's not the word. God only spoke no, one word. Jesus is the word. Mary's but the voice of God. Mary's I the voice. I think there's a reality there to be explored. Okay. I'd have to think about that for a while. It's a yeah, little bit... I've been thinking about it all week. <laughs> Just waiting to say this. <laughs> you'd have to... It's a little bit deep to it's, just yeah, react it's, to. I mean, it's it's almost jarring, but it 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 works in every way that you can come at it. Okay. So, so folks, go think that, about that. Leave comments. Okay. Have you seen an angel? Have you have you interacted with angels? Oh my! Other than praying to Saint Michael and my guardian angel, no. Really? No, not that not that I'm aware you've, of. You've never had like some kind of supernatural. I've never or, had an experience where I said, "Oh, that was." Seemed. Oh wait, 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 wait. Okay, not supernatural. I, I'll I'll let me give you this. I was walking with some buddies in college. We were going to go caving. Yeah. And we had a general sense of where we needed to go in order to find a certain cave entrance. But, Which caves were these? Uh, well, these were in Indiana by Whitehall. Um, I know. I the name like of Buckner it. Buckner Cave. And those, Buckner? Say, okay. Kind of the same ones that, that I was able to take you directly to when we went. Yeah, I, I knew the names of some of them, and I'm just wondering which yeah, trap one door, you're talking about. stuff like okay. that, uh, beaver hole. Anyway, so we were walking through the woods trying to find, you know, because we had just the vaguest of directions. Oh, yeah, go in here, follow this creek line, go to, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And we were kind of lost. I mean, not really lost. We could, it's not like we're lost, couldn't find a way out of the woods, but kind of like, okay, we, we have no idea. Where we are relative to this, are we close at all, hot, cold, whatever? We didn't know. But mm-hmm. there was a hill, and I said, well, let me go up on that hill and see what I can see. And I, so I went up to do, like, recon for everybody. I got up there, and at the top of the hill, it was, like, this uh, farmhouse. And there was a gravel driveway, uh, and then another um, uh, kind of like a, a, a drive that, that – 
shot, you know, went off to the side and went down to mm-hmm. some areas where there was like maybe some silos or something like that. And so I got up into this and there were suddenly three of these dogs that looked like, uh, they had the spots of a Dalmatian, but they had more of the, um, kind of shape of, I don't know, some kind of a bulldog or something like that. Okay. Um, not, not, not quite like what you would associate with a pit bull, uh, but they were more bullish. Uh, but anyway, they were like, they were barking of, and they were mean and, and they a lot did of great not look friendly like even a little bit. Okay. So I'm thinking, oh crap, what am I, I'm, I'm, two things, what there. am I going to do? Huh. And how am I going to keep my buddies who are certainly trudging up the hill now from coming anywhere near this? Yeah. So then I looked down the place where the driveway went off out to some silos or whatever. And I saw this Doberman pincher coming down the drive, kind of running down the driveway. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh Man, my you're God. getting attacked left and right. They're so, all over. Uh, I was just like, okay, this, this isn't going to end well at all. But here's the thing that Doberman pincher got to me and he didn't attack me. Instead, what he did was he turned away from me and anywhere that those dogs were. Now he didn't bark. He didn't make a sound, but anywhere that those other dogs, dogs were, he faced them and kept himself between me and them. Wow. The whole time I was there, my buddies came up and it's like, okay, guys, come on. We need to get out to the street there. But, you know, and, and then, yeah, uh, you know, and it's like, okay, this guy seems to be taking care of us. Let's not, you know, presume on his help for too long. But it was just like that. And then we got out to the street. Uh, he, the other dogs were kept like barking. They were kind of like getting more, um, yeah, you know, like barking higher pitch, like they're more angry, like like you know that we're going away. Um, but he just kind of stayed quiet and and stayed in front of them and kept them from coming towards us. Um, oh, I, I think it that's was something. Yeah. That, so I, I associate that with my guardian angel. I wonder how many things like that happen that we'll never know, and it's like, hmm, was that an angel? Because you hear all the time, <laughs> exactly. people, you know, I was in a yeah. car accident and somebody helped me out. And then when I looked for the guy, he was gone. Things like that. Right. Um, right. Well, like I've your had... wife's wedding ring or something like that, that kind of stuff. That, yeah. that never happened to me. Okay. That, well, that level of miraculous. I should, I should briefly describe that story. We did in another podcast, but for someone yeah, who hasn't you heard. Go ahead and tell um, it. I had, uh, I had a wedding ring, uh, got a job in blue ash every morning, you know, when you, you open your window and put your hand out the window and start waving it up and down with the wind currents. <laughs> yep. Uh, I do that very often. And, uh, one morning I know that I left with the ring on because I knock on the door with the ring and I would tap the door and say, uh, goodbye to my wife who was asleep. So the ring was on there and it, I would have noticed if, if I tapped with my ring and it wasn't there. So mm-hmm. I left with the ring, go to work with my hand out the window, get to work and the door's locked. So I tap on the door there to let me in and the ring's not there. I said, criminy. Um, I mean, I looked all over my car and of course I looked around where I park at home, but I mean, it, it's kind of, I don't see any chance of ever getting that ring back. 
Um, cause it's somewhere on the highway on, uh, Ronald Reagan highway in Cincinnati. <laughs> You're um, not find it. but about a year later, uh, we were in kind of a, I, we weren't in a good state. I mean, we're, it's not like we were on the verge of divorce, but things were bad because I had gotten laid off, couldn't get another job. Uh, we've got, I don't even remember how many. Well, we had all six kids by then. Yeah. Um, and it's and hard having like six kids with no stuff. job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the youngest one was, uh, I had two that were not yet in school. So I'm home with these two children. I'm doing dishes. The two kids are in the other room playing. Vicky goes upstairs to take a nap. She comes down a little while later, says, where'd you find it? I said, where'd I find what? She said, wasn't that you upstairs? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been down here doing dishes. Uh, and I'm kind of irritated when I'm talking because we had just been in an argument over something. And she holds up my ring. She says, I thought it was you. Somebody came in and put this on my finger while I was sleeping. And I woke up and saw them and I thought it was you. And that that was my ring. I mean, it was... It was my ring. Yeah, that's and now I like, have yeah, my ring no, back. But I've never had like that. an interaction at that level with an angel. Okay, well, I I've got another one. Um, oh, really? I I think I've told you this story, but I have to tell it in a way to not give away certain information. Uh, okay. But I was in a confrontation, or or something that was turning into a confrontation. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was getting worse and worse. I could feel it getting worse and worse. And I sat down and I said a prayer to my guardian angel because I don't want to fight this person. But if I do fight this person, I'm not holding back in any sense of the word. I'm going mm-hmm. full force. Right. And uh I kept praying to my guardian angel and the other person's guardian angel, can you please make this stop? And... uh then this other person did something that made me think, okay, now it's time to fight. Mm-hmm. And I got up and got ready to take a swing. And actually, I did take one swing, but it kind of just glanced off. And um there were two other people in the room besides the person I'm in confrontation right. with. And I felt an arm around my middle. And I thought... This is a very powerful arm because it lifted me up off the ground and threw me to the ground again. And I could, I just, I remember seeing the, the, the arm. It was muscular, but not real thick. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a well-formed skinny arm. And I thought, how did the other person who was in the room, I thought, how did he do that? He's not strong enough to do that, but he literally <laughs> threw me on the ground. Yeah. And within those few seconds, the, the, uh, it kind of fizzled out. The, the, the fight was kind mm-hmm. of over after that. And, right. you know, the other person left and I was okay. But, you know, I went to the other person later. I said, why they, why'd you do that? I said, you could have, you could have gotten hurt. I could have gotten hurt. Uh, and he had no idea what I was talking about. I said, didn't you? push me or throw me to the ground or something. He said, I never touched you. I saw you get up and take a swing and then fall on the ground. And that's what everybody in the room saw. That was so weird. But I, 
it seared into my memory, this arm grabbing me around and just lifting me up and throwing me. Yeah. You probably would have got your clock cleaned if it hadn't. Possibly. Or I would have ended up in jail. One of those two or things. Or that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because I, I think if it had turned into a real fight, it probably would have gotten pretty serious. Yeah. Gotten to the, the point of call police. The hospital kind of stage. Yeah. Uh, so those are two, and uh, there's another one that I don't feel like telling. But yeah, that's okay. Maybe that's some other day. Two. Um, <laughs> but it, so, yeah, I'm a firm believer in uh, angels. Mm-hmm. And uh, you should... You should pray As to your guardian angel. All uh, there's also plenty of other times when it's like, I made this decision or, or this happened, and really, it shouldn't have happened quite that way. You know, the car slid in this direction. It That's not the direction it was going in, and it should have slid in this direction, and me ending up, you know, in a heap with 50 other cars, and it didn't happen that way, you know? Yeah. There's, there's things yeah. like that that you can't really say this was definitely my angel you just say thank you god that it happened but but i still yeah, kind I of mean, attribute I, it to my guardian i don't know angel. how many other people have you know histories of some very stupid driving tactics and decisions that yeah should have result you know ended very badly and for whatever right. reason didn't yeah yeah and uh yeah so you you yeah i i I imagine that angels do help us in this way, but uh, who's to say? I mean... Who's to say how often it happens that right. is not recognizable as such? Okay, but see, here's the thing. When it comes to angels, your guardian angel is really the only one who can stand you. <laughs> well, the, yeah, that's right. The because angel, you are a, back to the a angels. sinner. Yeah, angels do not like human beings. And you don't hear of guardian angels in the Bible, really, a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, that's true. You don't. Uh, but we hear of lots of angels. We hear the angel of death who came in and killed everybody. Mm-hmm. We've got the angels who went down and, well, they saved Lot from the town, but they're like, you need to get out of here because we're going to tear this place apart. Yeah. And I don't, you know, and then they turned his wife into salt. So, uh, that <laughs> wasn't know. very cool. Were, were they, should I say this, were they doing them a favor? They might have been. <laughs> it might have been an ironic favor, like yeah. she was a really bad cook. <laughs> um, there's Jacob. Jacob wrestled an angel. I never got that at all. Yeah, he wrestles an angel, and then the angel's like, okay, I gotta leave. He says, no, not until you give me a blessing. But but then, like the angel touched his thigh, <laughs> and and like broke his thigh just by touching it or something. I wonder if that angel got no, made fun of by it. the other That's angels. That's what it is. He dislocated it. He dislocated his thigh. Can you imagine? Why? I who knows. He just won. How did the angel? Uh, it's. You mean the the angel's thigh was dislocated? No, the angel, the angel dislocated, dislocated Jacob's thigh. Jacob's thigh. Yeah. And then was he able to walk after that? Well, uh, he probably limped, wouldn't you think? I wouldn't think you'd be able to limp even after dislocating your thigh. Well, I don't know. Maybe that it got would pushed hurt. back in place. 
Um, I didn't even know about that. This is after Jacob won or during the fight. Wow. I wonder if it was just like, you know, I could have taken you and I'm going to show you, you know, just as a, okay, God helped you and you won this. But if I wanted to, I could have done this. You think the other angels made fun of that angel? (laughs) You lost to a human. (laughs) By a guy, by a dude. Yeah, <laughs> he probably never okay. lived it down. Could you imagine like for God, all eternity? Like signing, uh, or or um, the angel that that it, uh, we said the um, the dominions they regulate the duties of yeah. angels, make known God's commands. So the dominion is talking to this angel, saying, "Okay, you're going to have to go wrestle this guy, but you have to lose, <laughs> and you're going to get your butt kicked." He's like, what? <laughs> For all eternity, he's the only angel that got his butt kicked by a human beings. <laughs> that would that would be terrible. <laughs> of course, but but they but the demons get their butts kicked sometimes. The demons get their butts kicked by humans. I mean, we've got but Jesus or Mary stepping on the head of Satan completely over to yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and and what's his name? Um, John the Baptist's father. Oh, Zechariah. Zechariah gets his sight taken away by the angel. His speech. He, it's not like, but is it his speech? Yeah, that's yeah, right. His speech. Remember, because he had to write um, on the paper. His name is John, and then his, yeah. his tongue was open. Can you imagine? But nine it's not months? like he. You're not only can you not speak, and your wife has full reign of the house with her tongue. But she's pregnant besides. Yeah. For nine months. You can't say nothing. Don't <laughs> even try guy. to talk back. That poor guy. Uh, he, he didn't even really argue with the angel. He just kind of questioned the information. He's like, yeah, are you sure about like, that? Really? Cause, <laughs> that doesn't make cause sense. Because my to wife's kind of old. Am I going <laughs> to get a new wife or is this wife going to get pregnant? Yeah. Bam. Okay. Boom. Okay. You don't get to talk anymore. But then Gabriel comes down, completely different story. Because she questions too. She's like, how's that going to happen? Yeah, Mary, but, but Mary didn't question the reality. She just questioned the, um, the mechanism. Yeah. Okay. How is this to be? I, I would imagine when the guys are assigning the angels to go down and talk to Mary. He probably was warned. It's like, okay, don't be turning anyone to salt on this one. That's his mom. <laughs> That's the big guy's mom. Watch what you say. Not only that, but you're going to be in the presence of the voice of God. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be the voice of God. <laughs> and um, if you go taking his voice, her voice away or turning her into salt... Uh, you're gonna pay, so <laughs> that's, be yeah. respectful, and that's how that worked out. Yeah, that's the only time where you see an angel in any way respectful to man. The only other angels who not only tolerate us but actually help us are the guardian angels, and a lot mm-hmm. of the saints would pray to their guardian angels and talk to their guardian and see their guardian angels. 
And their guardian angels would talk back to him, like uh, Padre Pio, you know, yeah. had a yeah. lot of conversations with his guardian angel. And it seemed almost like a friendship. I wonder if that, if there's going to be some kind of bond, like, for eternity, oh, you know? It, yeah, that would be cool, wouldn't it? It's like, even even after we die, we've got this like angel that goes with us. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But you know that make that, if the guardian angels, like you said, they're the only ones who can stand us. Right. Because they're it would have to be a guardian angel to, to be on our side. But you, you, do you think there's like like backroom dealings that they have to do with the other angels to you know to get stuff for us? Yeah. It's what what kind of stuff do they have to put up with? <laughs> right. You should have seen what mine did today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I've done a lot of stupid Mom always says that I've retired at least 3 guardian angels. <laughs> Because of all the stupid junk I did as a kid, and all the accidents I've been in, and what was that? What was that one commercial about the guardian angel who's always distracted? Oh. And we said we made a joke. We said, "Oh, that's your guardian angel." Yeah. Do you I, remember that? Oh my gosh, that's almost that's like right on the tip of my brain. What, I, I remember that, that now. It was was that like a car yeah? You guys thing kept joking what? about that being my guardian angel. <laughs> Like he was, <laughs> it's like he's always busy doing something else, and then something bad happens. All right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move on. Yeah. I'll, I'll pause. Hold on, I gotta find this out. Okay, okay. Uh, how are you gonna find that? I thought that was years ago. I know, but you know. Okay, I'm gonna look up Guardian Angel Insurance commercial. Yeah, it was insurance. It may have been Guardian Angel Insurance Company. Capital One. Capital One, maybe. Okay. Yeah, it's it's Capital One. Okay, we'll we'll link we'll link to this one uh, from the show notes. <laughs> he, fall, <laughs> he falls off it. the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. He's going hang glide. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that was my guardian angel. It kind of just halfway there to be like, whoa, 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 at the very last second. (laughs) With like, dude, don't put a bullet in a vice. It will, it (laughs) will go off and it will lunge itself into your arm. Maybe it would have hit my eye if it hadn't been for my guardian angel. Yeah, any number of things. Right. Yeah, or, yeah, something even worse. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess we should move on. <laughs> um, All right. Uh, stories. We got, man, there's a lot of news here. Yeah. I guess I can, I can kind of, okay, I didn't do any religious news because okay. there's all kinds of stupid stuff going on and I figure all of it is worth a whole podcast and, um, we're already late on all of it because we went camping over the weekend and so we didn't do a show last week. Yeah, we got and two weeks worth of news to catch up on. Yeah, so there's the French sex report. There's the, uh, didn't their, their, whatchamacallit, their, their synod start this week? 
the synod on synodality. Oh, the the, the synod on synodality. Yeah, we talked yeah, about that that's, at a prior podcast. So, that started that starts this week or this weekend or something. Yeah, like that. and there there's some goofy statement that Francis made that kind of maybe shows his hand, and it's like we know what this is, but so I won't bring the. I'm just mentioning those are the things probably we're going to end up talking about. We'll in do a the podcast, podcast next on week. it. We'll, we'll dedicate yeah. a podcast to it after it happens, without a doubt. Yeah. So, uh, but in regular secular news, U.S. State Department reveals that the current stockpile of nuclear weapons is 3,700, or, yeah, 3,750 warheads. Um, I wonder, do those warheads go bad? What do they do? I mean, I... And I if think they kind of don't. I mean, I, I mean, sure. I mean, there. Yes, there is the uranium, and it it decays with some long half life. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe but I mean, bad. are those when we have a stockpile of weapons? Are these things that are launchable, or is it like ten um, of them are launchable? The other ones are just sitting there I and think doing nothing. When they say warheads, I think that specifically means. Things that can be put onto a missile, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're on a missile. Okay. Well, uh, there was a shooting in Arlington, Texas. Why would we Texas. be allowed to know that? Wouldn't you think that's a national security Yeah, secret? I don't think that's the truth. That's probably... There's either like ten times that many or not even... Or one-tenth that many. One-tenth <laughs> that many. You know? And you never know with our government. Uh, there was a shooting in Arlington, Texas at a high school... But it, it doesn't sound like it's a it's a random shoot. It sounds like it, there was a fight and someone had a gun. And, oh, okay. Uh, four people are wounded. Doesn't look like anyone died. Not a they school the, mass uh, shooting or something like that. Yeah, just, it's not like a, that. Okay. I think it was just a fu- gang fight or something. A federal judge, Robert L. Pittman, blocks the Texas Heartbeat Act. Okay. So I so guess that I guess that'll it make its way, its way to the Supreme Court. Yeah, we expected that, and this is the path it's going to take. Yeah. Uh, pray every day that this that what should happen happens. Yeah, and we know what should if happen. If we can just so. overturn this concept that somehow our Constitution, which is a really good thing, includes a right for a mom to be allowed to kill her baby. Uh, if we can it's overturn that and get yeah. that out of the legal reasoning um, and and out of the precedents, that would be a huge victory. I, I think if we did that, there would be some kind of hope for America. If we don't do that, I don't see I think how if there we would did be that, any things hope would right turn now. real violent real fast. I think it would turn. Yeah, into it would, violent. but it would mean hope for America. Yeah, if we it, don't do that, America will go down. This great experiment that led to what we have today. Uh, without that, I think we're we're kind of doomed. Um, so there's this former Facebook employee, and there's some kind of hearing, and she she's kind of acting as a whistleblower, saying that the the company's sites harm children, stoke division, and weaken our democracy. That's now, not whistleblowing. Yeah, I know, but I think she gave very specific instances of how uh, Facebook saw certain things happen and continued to let it happen. And I think this is things like, uh, like say, 
I, this wasn't an example, but I'm, I think this is what the kind of things she's talking about is things like, um, sex trade, for example. That's being allowed on Facebook. Also things like, uh, people bullying and maybe even like, like they have like suicide journals that they do on Facebook and things like that. Um, Okay. All of which is yucky. So, I mean, here's the thing though, is, is, is her point that, um, Facebook's, uh, use within society ought to be diluted or is her point that we need to give Facebook, you know, the keys to the kingdom and allow them greater censorship powers and that kind of stuff? That's the thing. That's how it's being kind of twisted depending on who is writing the story about it. Because it's like Facebook is saying, hey, we've tried our best to manage misinformation. As if that's what she's talking about. And it's like, that's oh, not what we're talking. They're yeah. turning it into, we need more control so that we could better manage misinformation as if that's what the problem is. And I think that's any complaint about Facebook is going to turn into that because they twist the truth around so much. Right. I mean, it, these, this is a really evil, uh, organization and no matter what they're they're pushing for more power and and then other people are pushing Congress to act but if Congress acts it's going to be for Facebook's good not bad we've already mm-hmm. given them uh, like immunity against anything yeah Copyright you can't sue them for anything anymore uh, I know it Laws, it's insane. You know, the standard things like like libel and slander, that kind of stuff. You yeah. Know, they get to say, oh, I we're mean, just a platform. And then right. they get to curate the content. Right. And, so and they, what they're asking for is Congress to give them more power to curate the content and continue to be immune as a platform. Yeah. So whatever discussion is going on, that's what Facebook is pushing for, and I have a feeling that's what Congress wants to give them. Uh, for some reason, Congress thinks that once that happens, Facebook uh, is somehow going to remain loyal to them and keep certain ones in office. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, right. You know, they don't they don't understand the monster. Hey, they're, we gave you what you want. Why aren't you contributing to our campaign? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Well, in Afghanistan, the fighting continues between various groups. The Taliban is still fighting with ISIL, who, uh, let's see, I think 50 people are killed and more than 100 wounded when there's a suicide bomber. Um, but the Taliban strikes back against ISIL, and yet there's this other group called ISK claiming responsibility for the attack. Oh. And so there's a, now there's this new group. We've got ISIS, ISIL, the Taliban, and ISK. But aren't ISIS and ISIL, uh, just different names of the same group? I think they are. I think these are all names of the same group. Now, I well, think, no, I, I, I think, I think Taliban, it's just a certain person. I mean, the Taliban are bad, but I think they are specifically, uh, against ISIL ISIS because yeah. the Taliban want to be the ruling group in Afghanistan 
and ISIL ISIS wants to be the ruling group in all uh, Muslim countries. Yeah, I think okay, but they all want the same thing. Yeah, they all power. Yeah, they want power. A- any one of them being having power is a bad thing. Right, they're all bad people. So uh, let's see. There's a 5.9 magnitude earthquake in Pakistan. Okay. Uh, I think we got 24 deaths from that. There's another a 6.1 in Tokyo, Japan. Um, That's heavier. That. How many deaths from that? I don't see any deaths. Wait a minute. It only wounded 41 people so far. So I guess I don't see any deaths oh, okay. from that. Um, now we've got... Okay, over by China, we've got... The Wall Street Journal's reporting that a contingent of U.S. Special Force soldiers have been deployed in Taiwan to help train Taiwan forces as they're dealing with China. Uh, the trainers were first deployed under the Trump administration. So Trump saw this coming, I guess, a while ago. Okay. Now, um, the president of Taiwan says she will not bow to pressure from China and vows to uphold the island's sovereignty and democratic norms. Good for her. China denounces her speech, saying that it's inciting confrontation and it distorted facts. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there, there's Tell something the building there. Huh? Tell that to Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, really. And at the same time, we've also got Japan. Uh, the Japanese prime minister vows to fight. Um, see, this is weird. He vows to fight and end the COVID-19 pandemic. I don't know, even know what he's talking about there. Um, and counter the Chinese and North Korean threats by strengthening the uh, Japan's Coast Guard and missile defenses. Okay. Um, so is Japan and, an ally of Taiwan? No. I mean, Japan... Oh, okay. I don't think so in this case. I think Japan and Taiwan are both dealing with China. Okay. And then, so of they, course, you know, could. now the U.S. has uh, teamed up with the U.K. and with Australia in this other thing, and France is kind of turning against us on that, but I haven't heard anything that developed in that whole deal. Yeah. So, I, you know, China, I guess China's the next big enemy that we're going to be dealing with. I It's... It's kind of weird because we still get everything we own from China. Yeah, we um, ought to stop doing that, guys. Hey, stop buying from China. And at the same time, there are there's th- three different provinces in China uh, as reporting uh, bad power outages every week. Uh, factories are shutting down, and they're only working sometimes for two or three days per week. Uh, Operating on generators. Oh, wow! Um, so China's China's trying to get more coal. I think is what's happening. Uh, they're trying to buy it even as far away as Ukraine. I, th- <laughs> I guess China's running out of coal. Wow! Um, also in uh, Lebanon, uh, the entire country was without electricity for a short time. They ran out of diesel fuel. Here, okay, 
you know what this reminds me of? Um, in America, as we crept more and more into a liberal government before Ronald Reagan, yeah, the there was a serious power problem. We couldn't get yeah. power anywhere. An, an energy crisis. And and there were rolling blackouts and stuff. And even now there are rolling brownouts and blackouts in in the more liberal states. Yeah, like California. The conservative states don't have this problem. And America didn't have this problem after uh, Ronald Reagan came in. This is a liberal problem. And you can see how it gets worse when the the powers go from liberal to flat-out communists or in dictatorships. Uh, let's see. Five people are killed by flash flooding in Alabama and Tennessee. Oh, wow. 13 inches of rain falling this. in some area. Yeah, I know. We're not that far away from there, but we didn't... I mean, we got some rain over the weekend, but not, not 13 inches. It's a lot. Of course, we were in the mountains yeah. anyway, so... We did get pretty heavy rain that one night. <laughs> yeah, we did get some pretty heavy rain. The Polish Constitutional Tribunal rules that rules that the Constitution of Poland takes precedence over European laws. Good. And for Poland. challenges the primacy of European Union law principle. Uh, escalating tensions around the Polish rule of law crisis. Uh, especially around the more controversial judicial reforms. I don't know if they're talking about the anti-gay laws. Probably they are. But I have a feeling that's what they're talking about. Yeah. And hope this is good for Poland, uh, which we're going to talk about Poland later in the story about saints. Oh, okay. Um, it would be nice to see at least one country hang on to its... Catholic identity, you know, overall. I know. I mean, I know it's not a Catholic country, but it's mostly Catholic. And Mexico has kind of stopped being Catholic, and parts of Poland have stopped being Catholic, but Poland and Hungary are the two strong Catholic nations right now that we should be praying for. Ireland isn't even close to Catholic anymore. Well, maybe they are. Maybe it's just... You know, if half the country is bad or half the country, and, and we don't even know if there was voter fraud when they, when they voted to legalize abortion. That's true. That's true. We don't know. Maybe the same kind of shenanigans that happened in America are happening there. <coughs> um, let's see. Where are we? U.S. Navy reports that the USS Connecticut, which is a nuclear powered fast attack submarine, it struck an unidentified object uh, over in the South China Sea. Hmm. Twelve crew members were injured. Uh, we don't really know what the damage is yet, but they are saying that the submarine is safe and stable. But we still don't know what it hit. That's weird. Uh, NASA. Because don't those subs uh, have like sonar and stuff to know what, what's around them? I, at least see, to know what I mean there's that, sonar at least but I something you know if there's them? something there yeah or if maybe there's something that or or some kind of craft that is able to be invisible to that maybe that's maybe that's part of what ha- maybe it have to not reflect sound waves in water maybe it was just a really bad driver 
could be. You know, yeah, there was that one know. story about the the uh, two cruise ships that collided. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's insane. Time. It might be something like that. But uh, NASA astronomers announced that they've discovered a hot Jupiter exoplanet. Okay, that is, it's fifty percent larger. Yet thirty percent less massive, so I guess there's a lot more gas. More gaseous and less, yeah. Okay, uh, is that what they mean by hot? I guess the. I I don't know what hot means. A hot Jupiter exoplanet. Hmm. I. I imagine if it's if it's larger and less dense, it's the reason it's less dense is because the the gases are hotter. You know, like when you heat up hot air, Jupiter. you do the experiment where you heat up air. In the hot Jupiters in the are a class of uh, gas giant exo- exoplanets that are inferred to be physically similar to Jupiter, but they have very short orbital periods. That means they're oh, close to the Oh, because they're so close to the star. Okay. Okay. So they're hot because they're right next to the sun or okay. the star. Um, so, uh, and then... Let's see, I've got another science one. What is it? Oh, okay, this is Blue Origin launches, uh, taking four crew me- members into suborbit. What's suborbit as opposed to orbit? I think that means, like, orbit is stable. Once you're in orbit, you don't have to expend energy to stay there. I think suborbit means you still have to keep applying thrust to maintain it. Okay. I think. So, uh... They, you know, there's, there's an engineer and a, um, uh, Blue Origin vice president goes, and then there's a guy, just some rich business owner, and of all people, William Shatner. <laughs> William Shatner gets to go to outer space. I think that's, you know what? Excellent. I think that's, I fitting. think that's great. I think yeah. that's fitting. <laughs> I'm happy that I I'm jealous as all get out, but it's great but, that I he mean, got to go on. to outer space. It's just it's just right that it happened that way. Yeah, <laughs> he's the oldest human in space at 90 years old. Oh wow, Captain William so, T. Kirk. You think he's going to get up there and forget who he is and start giving orders? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's going to, where's my big chair? Where's my chair? <laughs> okay, that's all the news I got. All right. Well, I got a few nonsense items. Okay. Uh, first off is uh, from our weekend. Um, so the, what do you call it? The Dancing Walking yeah. Stick of Daniel Boone Dancing. National Forest. Uh, you can go check out the YouTube video. Turn the volume up. You got to turn it up in order to hear the music. Yeah, uh, it but you need the music. Without it, it is, it's you just have to go watch it. It's funny. Yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. We noticed it. Uh, I think you thought it was a Katie. Did I thought it was a Katie. I saw these antennas moving around. I said, "Hey, there's a Katie did on on your light." Uh, this is one of these flashlights. It's it's LED, so it's not like hot or anything, but it's real bright. It's very and bright. I saw these antennas yeah. moving. Around. Ah, there's a Katie did, and then it's like we're looking at it, and it's like. Those things are kind of bouncing to the music. Yeah. <laughs> Turned out it was a walking stick. Yeah. And we would turn the music off and it would kind of slow it would down kind of just and sit stop down. eventually. 
and then yeah. the music come on and then it would it would start doing that again it was it was the weirdest thing so we got a video we we actually got a lot of video of it doing this but we only put one of them on youtube and maybe someday we'll, we'll put, put more yeah some of the but others what's funny about this i picked up i thought okay that was fun you gave us some entertainment because i assumed that the walking stick was trying to find a way off of the light right and that's why oh, it kept yeah. moving around so i picked it yeah, up and this tossed is it weird. into the woods and 20 minutes later, it was back on the light. Like 30 feet away from the light, he tossed it into the woods. Yeah. And it comes back uh, a half so hour later, weird. and there it is again. I mean, I guess it's possible as, that it was as a far, walking it, stick, but it acted the maybe. same way as the first one. Yeah, and and we don't... I, it's not like... It's weird. I, I, I don't think it was a different one. you, you got to go possible. watch it. Because <laughs> if it was that... if. if if they were attracted to it to the point where you threw one away and another took its place, You'd then eventually would have seen two at a time. Yeah. yeah. But that didn't happen. It was just this one who liked the light and liked the music. He mm-hmm. liked the limelight. Yeah. Okay. What else we got? All right. So I, uh, what, what can you call this? Love in the round, maybe? Uh, this guy built... Um, the what? This guy built for his wife a house that spins around like a like the this, like the spinning restaurant type of thing it's what it appears to be you can see the picture they've got the picture of the house it's on a it's on a big concrete uh, slab underneath it and then and then you can see that it's got some kind of mechanism between the slab and the house maybe wow. like, it's like so they can always keep the sun from coming in their bedroom window or something like that yeah which well, that, I, would that, be, that might actually be kind of nice, but uh, he built it for his it wife. It would be nice. Mm-hmm. You must, you would have to have an awful lot of money to to even think of doing that. You know? <laughs> I know. I mean, like, I, there's so many... It wouldn't be bad to have, but there's so many things that you could have instead. You would have to have all those other things first, you know? Or now, maybe there's a... Maybe there's a serious reason he did it. And this is in Bosnia Herzegovina, not America. Um, okay. It says that he designed it for his wife, uh, for her to satisfy her shifting desires as to what she would like to see when she looks out the windows. But you know, I'm looking at I, this. This thing is just like in the middle of a field, in what appears to be surrounded by you know plain maybe industrial. I, it's like what? What is uh-huh. it that you want to look at from one time to another? It looks like the scenery yeah. will all be the Does same. Does it really change? So. If you were going to do that, why not go ahead, spend the extra money, and get a house on top of a hill? Yeah, you know, well, I can I can see the mountains that way, and I can see the city that way, and stuff like that. Sunset, sunrise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that as much money as you'd have to put into something like that. Just go ahead and get a better location. Now I think the guy's just an idiot. Maybe they like that spot. I don't Maybe know. she liked them factories. Could be. Could be. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's weird. This <laughs> this is even weirder. Okay, so so I guess what this means is we've got two uh, life uh, wildlife stories, animal stories this week because uh, we talked about the dancing walking stick. A oh, okay. Sp- <laughs> so a squirrel left like. It says 42 gallons. You know how squirrels will squirrel away nuts and pack them up for the winter or whatever? Yeah. So it says this squirrel 
left 42 gallons of nuts in this guy's... They're, they're like walnuts or something in this guy's pickup truck. In his pickup truck? Yeah, like stashed like in into the, the, bed the engine, of his truck or? engine compartment and, and everything. Wow. Engine compartment, wheel wells and everything. I guess he like didn't... He came you know, home. Maybe stored in the garage a lot. I guess. He came time. home from a four-day work trip and discovered that his truck was filled with black walnuts, each about the size of a lime. They were tucked into every was, nook and cranny of the... It was, it's a Chevy Avalanche, including the engine compartment and fenders. He, re, he removed enough to fill seven six-gallon containers. That's wow. That's 42 gallons of nuts. <laughs> wow. I, I have kind of... I've come to despise squirrels. I, you know, I lived in Cleves, which is pretty close to the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I I lived in E Town, which is like on, it's it's almost yeah, in the country. It's just my area right, wasn't country. country. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't until I moved back here to Shiviet that I really came to appreciate how much of a problem squirrels are. I mean they. They chewed through my garbage cans the way oh, you would expect a rat to man. do, and made holes like those thick so that they can ones? now go in and and chew up all the garbage and spread it around. Oh wow! I have a, I I bought an electric rat trap just to deal with them. I've killed like like seventeen uh, squirrels so far, <laughs> and there there's no end to them. No, there's not. Not in North it's America. It's like they're just. It's incredible the the amount of damage that they cause, and they don't communicate apparently because if you keep killing them and they keep coming around, yeah, you think but the, I, you the know, word would get around. Hey, don't go there. My my three brothers went there and they never came back. <laughs> yeah, but I will say that if you set the trap and one gets away, like it doesn't get killed by it, uh, it will not go into that trap again. It, it's learned its lesson once it gets shocked and wow. doesn't die. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, turning from squirrels to squirreliness, uh, from from nut gatherers to nut bait or squirrel bait nuts, a man yeah. is suing a Los Angeles psychic that he paid. Uh, he's suing her for fraud because she claimed that she could remove a witch's curse that was put on him by his ex-girlfriend for a certain amount of money. Uh, Mauro Restrepo found the psychic Sophia Adams' website that billed her as a PhD life coach and as a psychic love coach. Uh, he That and made she... him more confident that he was speaking with a professional. <laughs> the, the words psychic <laughs> love coach psych. instilled confidence huh. that you're speaking to a professional? Jeez. Uh, that could help. So him. what happened? I mean, did he? Did she do something? And then, and now he's he's not it, convinced that the curse has been removed, or did she say I can't remove it? Let's see. She, uh, the the woman gave him a tarot reading when he visited her office, and told him that a mala suerte or bad luck that that he had some some bad luck that was put there by his ex girlfriend when she hired a curse casting witch then she claimed that his family would be unhappy and in danger unless he paid her $5,100 to remove the oh. curse he paid her a $1,000 deposit but she did not in any way help his marriage 
Wait a minute, he's got a oh. girlfriend and a, ex-girlfriend and a wife? Well, that's just stupid. He's asking so for $25,000 in damages. But he only gave her a thousand. I, well, these are damages, I guess, because she didn't follow through with the uh, promise to remove the curse. So he's saying that. So he's going hey, to go to court someone and else that actually removed it and prove that he's still cursed. Where she could say, "No, I removed the curse. That's just yeah. bad luck." I know. I don't get it. It's. Uh, I, I. You know. <laughs> it's like people lose their faith in God and they'll fall for anything. Yeah, that's true. It's just. They get stupid after that. Yep. And this is evidence of that. An example. Okay. All right. So we've talked about funerals and and, uh, caskets and burials and stuff before. But let me ask you this question. You know, the standard funeral that we're used to, uh, you go into the funeral home. uh, Often it's the night before. You have an open casket, you see your loved one, you say goodbye, pay your respects, that kind of stuff. Or sometimes it's the day of the funeral. They might have it right there at the church or whatever. You still have the open casket. You can see your loved one and so forth. Um, But sometimes people get it into their heads that instead of an open casket, they want a closed casket. Or sometimes family members decide, "Mm, we don't want to pay for a casket. Let's just cremate and have a simple wooden box. Well, if you do either of those things, how do you know who's really in the casket or in the box? We talked about this. Did we? Kind of. A couple of sisters from North Carolina discovered earlier this month that a stranger's body was in the casket that was supposed to contain their mother. There's not even a similarity to the person. The size was way off. Um... And when when the person had the clothing on, she was like swimming in the clothes because she was small compared to their mother. Now, here's what's really funny. Uh, this funeral home, this is the Hunter's Funeral Home and a husky uh, about 120 miles northeast of Raleigh, North Carolina. They okay. failed to acknowledge the is- issue and even denied that the person was somebody other than their mother. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, the, I, I'm just picturing like the the uh, uh, Monty Python dead parrot skit here. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's her. That's her. That's your mom. No, look at her. That's your mom. See the clothes? Much bigger than that. Those well, are the clothes you gave us. She's dead. That's your mom. Okay. That's crazy. But at some point, wouldn't the police get involved and say, okay? Who is this dead person? It was just you a guys, Is this like getting rid of a dead body? Maybe. Or maybe well, they I, opt I, someone. I guess that's and this the presumptive. <laughs> if, you, if you were a criminal, it would be good to know a uh, funeral guy. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I do notice that these guys who own these funeral homes, they usually have a lot of money. You know, I got it. I got a even I guys who don't Terry, buy and sell the properties. Home, oh, direct, he was a funeral director, and for a while he ran his own funeral home. But he did the embalming and all that kind of stuff. Okay. They eventually found the mom in the embalming room of the funeral home. Okay, so they just put the wrong body in there. And... <laughs> you know that reminds me. Have you seen all of the Columbos? Uh, I have seen them all. Okay, so there's the I, one I where it's a. I think it's a fairly recent one. I mean, yeah, a later one. Patrick McGowan plays a funeral home 
uh, yeah. uh, Undertaker. Uh, where and it mixes he, the bodies he, like, cremates up. the one body to get rid of it and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, there's a ring or, or a filling or something like that. Yeah. Maybe a, a hip replacement, something that he was able to identify him with. Right. Uh, I think it was like a, 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 I don't know, a bullet in one of his, because he was like a war veteran or something. I don't yeah, know. that's right. Something it it like had that. something to do with a battle. Um, it was a pretty good, it was a good one. I liked yeah. it. I, I love the Columbus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, guys, go, you know, make sure it's really your loved one that you're giving your respects to. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, is is that anything like a doctor who removes the wrong leg or something like that? I mean, this stuff happens. You hear about those stories, but people make mistakes. (laughs) Can you imagine, you know, being the funeral director, be like, okay, you've got people under you, and you're like, here, do this body, do it here, do this and do that. And then coming in the next morning, and they're in knowing the wrong that place. all these things are, and you see a body, and it's like, what is he doing there? And <laughs> who's in that coffin upstairs yeah. that all the family are gathered around? <laughs> but my question is, how did they find out? Well, the, this this wasn't a closed. Was it co- an open co- casket, casket or closed? No, this was an open casket, and they just went in. Oh, it was an open casket. Yeah, this okay. is, they went in for for the calling. For laying out, and they thought, well, wait a minute, this isn't our mom? Who is this? <laughs> yeah, okay. I thought maybe it was a closed one. Somebody opened oh, no, it up I to was, check. But I, I got to think, well, you know, if that had been a closed casket uh, calling, nobody would have not been the wiser. Right. I wonder if if you have a closed casket, and you go up and open the casket, I wonder what you're going to see. That's a good question. I mean, they... Like, I, is it all made up and stuff, or is no, it just a dead I mean, body? why would they? They're not going to make somebody up to, to look nice and have... They probably are naked. Right. Yeah, the, no makeup or anything. It's probably just a dead body. Probably be pretty disgusting, actually. I have to do this now. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. No. I will No, 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 no. We're not going to have this. a closed casket for mom and dad just so that you can go and open up the casket. No, not for mom and dad. But eventually I'll go to a closed casket funeral and I'm going to... Distract everyone and <laughs> take a peek. Get one take of your a quick kids peek. to cause a disturbance. Can, you know, yeah. the thing is, though, they're, they're probably sick because these caskets, um, what what they do, they close it and then there's like a a clamp that you yeah, there's close like seals with like a, some kind of a key. It's, I mean, it's not a, a special key like, like a lock key yeah. or anything like that, but it's a... A key that you to, you have to turn something to clamp it down, so you probably wouldn't. Because you to always open it. see you see movies where there's a big disturbance at a funeral, and the coffin it comes falls flying open. off the bar, and it pops open. Yeah, and that probably doesn't really happen. Probably not. <laughs> well, we'll see. Anyway, next time I'm at a closed case, at least kind of give it a little out. bit of a lift to see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> just see. Act like I'm. Distraught and putting my hand on the thing. That would be funny. You do that, and it's like, hey guys, this casket's empty. (laughs) Yeah, there's nobody in here. All right, that's all I got. That's all you got. Okay, so we're going to talk about Adalbert of Prague, born in 956 A.D. uh, to a noble family in Bohemia, and I guess Prague is an area of Bohemia, which is now the Czech Republic. Right. Um, 
He was as sick as a child, and his parents, praying for him, dedicated him to God, consecrated him, and put him on an altar dedicated to uh, the Virgin Mary. And he did get better. But uh, as they had promised to do, they sent him to study to become a priest. I can't even say his birth name, so I won't try. But he studied under Adalbert of Magdeburg, who was a popular bishop at the time. And when he became a priest, he took Adalbert's, Adalbert's name. And so he became Adalbert of Prague. Okay. Uh, the Bishop of Prague died when he was 27. Now, he witnessed the Bishop dying and the dish, the Bishop was, uh, lamenting and was convinced he was going to go to hell because he spent his time, uh, pursuing wealth instead of, uh, doing his duties to the, to the church. Uh, Witnessing this, he, he, and then being chosen as the next bishop, he very much took his oath, his, his, uh, duties as a priest and a bishop very seriously. He actually went to Prague barefoot to demonstrate his rejection of wealth and worldliness. Uh, there was a lot of corruption in the church at that time, so when the people saw him coming, they, celebrated him there was a lot of you know everybody was was holding him up as as a great man but it was a it was a sinful area uh there was a lot of paganism idolatry uh uh polygamy and these are the kinds of things he had to fight against also uh he fought against jews selling christians into slavery to muslims that was a big thing. Um, he exercised demons. He apparently had a lot of miracles happen. I couldn't find a whole lot of stories. And in, uh, the, in Poland, there is a door, a giant brass door with, uh, kind of sculpted with pictures from his life. And some of the pictures indicate things that I can't find the story to tell what they're about. Like there's oh. one of him dropping a, he dropped a, uh, uh, a wine vase, uh, a wine pitcher uh-huh. and it didn't break. That's what's on this door, but I can't find the story where this happened and why it's on the door. So there's a lot of stories that I can't find on this. And wow. if I do, or if someone knows, let me yeah, know. Right. But, Either, either way, there's still a lot about him, though. Um, he proposed a lot of for- reforms to the secular ruling class, and as a result, he was rejected both by the clergy and the ruling class there in Prague. And he began to notice that there was a lack of fruit for all his work. The people mostly ignored him. Um, and eventually he asked the Pope if he could leave and join a monastery in Rome. Uh, the Pope granted him permission, so he left. He stayed away for about five years. Uh, Pope John the Fourteenth sent him back again to Prague because I guess the people were asking for him back. 
Um, but the Pope gave him permission to leave if the same thing happened. If the people weren't obeying him, he was able to leave. So he oh, goes okay. there. Okay. Again, everybody celebrates him as he comes. But all the same people kind of turn back to idolatry, polygamy, slavery, and all kinds of other sin. Um, there was a woman, uh, there was a woman accused of adultery who sought sanctuary in the church there. And St. Adelbert tried to give her sanctuary and protect her from the townsmen who were trying to kill her. Well, he was unsuccessful when the woman was killed. And, uh, he was outraged by this because they violated the, the sanctuary yeah, of this the church. Yeah, the sanctuary of the church. That, that's supposed to be like kind of yeah. sacrosanct. You, you don't violate that at all. Yeah. So he excommunicated these men. Uh, the town was outraged by this and they actually threw him out of Prague and he was exiled to Hungary. Um, he was welcomed in Hungary by King Bolslaw. I, reminds me of Coleslaw. It's spelled just like Coleslaw, but it's Bolslaw. King Bolslaw, uh, gave him bishop over a certain area in Hungary. Uh, he, he did a lot of work in Hungary, uh, baptized a lot of people, converted yeah, a lot bet, of people. Um, the king's name is actually, I, I bet you pronounce the E, Boleslaw? Boleslaw. Okay, I'll say Boleslaw. Um, he actually was the one who baptized St. Stephen of Hungary. Um, oh, okay. In Hungary, he's also having this dream uh, of Jesus Christ uh, about about the Jews selling Christians into slavery. And uh, in the dream, Jesus says, Here I am, sold again, and you're sleeping. So he... He tries to, I guess, create kind of a, a uh, crusade. He's trying to get, you know, he's got a lot of family in Bohemia. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get them and, and them and the other rulers that he knew to start a war to try to free these Christian slaves. But he's entirely unsuccessful. He's in Hungary and the Pope tells him he has to go back to uh, Prague. Again, he's doing all kinds of good work in Hungary, but the Pope says you got to go back to Prague. So when the people in Prague find out that he's coming back, they get angry and they, they kill a lot of St. Adelbert's relatives, burn a lot of their properties to the ground, make it obvious that he's not allowed to come back to Prague. So... Then he goes to Poland. He knows the Duke of Poland. You know what? I may have gotten this wrong. The Duke of Poland might be Boleslaw, and the king in Hungary might not be Boleslaw. Oh, okay. So I I may have gotten one of these wrongs. But anyway, the Duke of Poland asks him to come here and convert pagans, which he does. And he's very successful in Poland. So we got Poland and Hungary accepting this man <clears throat> and uh, a lot of pagans converting, Prague, on the other hand, rejecting him. Uh, so he was finally, he was made bishop in Poland. Um, he leaves Poland to go on a missionary trip to Prussia. Uh, he's attacked there by a pagan priest 
who hits him once and after after he's hit once he starts thanking God that God allows him to suffer for his uh faith and the priest even more angry stabs him with a spear and then uh after killing him and this is in April, on April 23rd 1997 he kills him with the spear and then they cut his head you off. You want to say that year again? Huh? You want to say that year again? Uh, 1990, I'm sorry, not 1997. <laughs> 997, uh, AD. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was a big deal in 1997 because it was the, uh, anniversary. Oh, the 1000. 1000 uh, anniversary, anniversary of death. Yeah. And, and this was celebrated by all the churches, by the Orthodox, by the Catholics. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and by a lot of the Protestants. Um, anyway, the Prussians, uh, put his head on a stake and people are going to this head and there are miracles happening. Now, Boleslaw finds out that they've got his head up on a stake and he wants, he wants the body. Also, the people in Prague want the body for some reason. Huh. People in Prague who because he him? was, yeah, the people who rejected him wanted his body. Now, I guess he did have some family there still, so oh, some of them may have, been, okay. may have been his family. Um, and he was the bishop of Prague, but uh, the Prussians refused to give them his body even after his canonization, and he's canonized as Saint Adalbert of Prague. Hmm. Uh, however, Boleslaw in Poland pays a ransom for his body. He matched the body's weight in gold. Oh, okay. Now, they didn't give him the head. They only gave him the body. And uh, later, uh, I can't get a date on this, but later a duke in Bohemia raids the monastery in Poland to take the saint's relics, and he brings them back to Prague. But after he gets there, the Polish people are claiming he didn't get, they, they had set this up as a decoy because they knew he was coming. And so you've got two groups of people both claiming to have the relics of St. Adalbert of Prague. Uh, um, was that it's resolved? more likely that the Polish have it. Oh, okay. Um, in the year 1000, uh, one of the saints' arms were given to Otto III, a Roman emperor. Uh, in 1127, the severed head is discovered, and it's moved to Poland where the other relics are. Because when they had purchased the body, they did not get the head. Oh, right, right. <laughs> in 1923, the head in Poland was stolen again. Oh, wow. And in 1928... The arm that was given to Otto III was returned to Poland. So right now, everything except the head is supposed to be in Poland, maybe in Prague. But there's a giant uh, church there uh, dedicated to him in Poland, and it's the site of a lot of uh, it's the site of a lot of mich- uh, pilgrimages, oh, stuff right. like that. He he's the patron of Poland and the Czech Republic. Oh, but. We have an indication there how, even from the start, Poland and Hungary were both very accepting of um, the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. 
and how Prague kind of rejected it. Um, and now today we've got <laughs> Poland and Hungary being uh, fought against by the uh, European the, Union the because of their anti-gay laws. Right. They're not really anti-gay laws. They're just saying you can't teach this stuff in school. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's more just like, you know, we're going to preserve our kids' innocence kind of thing. Um, yeah. So this is St. Adalbert in, uh, of Bishop of Prague. Of Prague died April 23rd, 997. Well, St. Adalbert right, of Prague, pray for us. Right. Yeah. We could, we got, yeah, it's, it's weird how once, once the church really takes hold, kind of a, a, a reoccurring theme is corruption within the church. Oh, that's true. And there's always this saint who goes to try to clean it up. And, you know, it's not successful everywhere, but uh, it, it's something that God has to make happen. And it's it's something we hope for today to get these these American and it's almost the whole world right now. I mean, sure there are some is. good bishops, but but almost the whole world has has gone so corrupt, especially the bishops. So is he so that's considered all I got. a martyr based on the nature of his death? He is considered a martyr, okay, because uh, he was he was killed by a pagan priest out because he was church. preaching. Okay, yeah, out of yeah. hatred by the church for so the church. What, what's interesting, he is. Because uh, most of the saints that we've done so far have been from the age of martyrs, the first 300 years of the church's history, three, 400 years. Right. Uh, but he is closer to the you, end of the first millennium. Um, and uh, yet there we still have Christians being martyred. Right. Yeah. And in several times, I mean, he was chased out of uh, Prague twice. Yeah. And then... His family was killed when they thought he was coming back. And yet they still want to claim him as a bishop. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. All right. That's all we got. All right. Well, that's a lot. Two hours. Well, folks. Yeah. 220. Well, we'll cut it down some. All right. Well, folks, uh, think about what we said. And as always, circle those beads. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.